Welcome to the PhD podcast project from the Yale's Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. In each episode, we interview graduate students in different programs at Yale to learn about the exciting work being done at the frontiers of research. We will dive into the motivations behind their work and how it may impact our lives and those of future generations. I am Kira Pratz, a graduating sixth-year PhD student in plant physiology, and I'm excited to talk today with Lizzie White, a fellow graduating sixth-year PhD student in public health. So welcome to the podcast, Lizzie. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We are excited to learn about the research that you are doing here at Yale and the steps that you've taken to communicate your work. We're especially excited to talk to you because you work in public health, which is a field that has had a major impact on our lives these past few years. So I'm gonna start by asking you, why did you choose to pursue a PhD at Yale in particular And what got you interested in public health in the first place? So I became interested in public health um, kind of in high school and college. I've always loved both science and math, but for a while I didn't really know what career path to follow with both of those interests. Um, But then in high school and college, I had kind of a variety of opportunities to travel and participate in, um, you know, domestic and international service trips. And then in in college, especially take classes that introduced me to epidemiology. And I think I was just excited to find a field where I could use both math and science to make a difference in people's lives. Um, You know, public health is really kind of fundamentally connected to health equity and justice and, you know, improving the health of um, entire groups of people and populations. And that's something that's always really motivated me. And then I chose to study public health specifically at Yale um, because the department just has a really wide variety of high impact research, amazing faculty. And then something that I know has been important to me and other students is um, there's just a really flexible curriculum in the School of Public Health that um, I knew would allow me to pursue whatever interests I had over the course of the Ph.D., It's not only a fascinating area of study, but it's one that is really important for improving the livelihoods of so many people. So you mentioned epidemiology. I wanted to ask if that was your specific research focus within public health and if you can describe what epidemiology is. So at Yale, I am in the epidemiology of microbial diseases department, which is just a fancy way of saying infectious disease epidemiology. Um, And epidemiology is really focused on studying, you know, where diseases are happening in populations and how they spread um, through populations. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation. So Is there a specific disease that you focus on within epidemiology? My uh, dissertation has been focused on tuberculosis, um, specifically in Uganda. Oh, that's fascinating. I hope that we will hear more about your work specifically in Uganda. But I wanted to ask, what is tuberculosis and what is important for our listeners to understand about your work related to tuberculosis? 
So tuberculosis also goes by TB, which is maybe how people have heard it referred to before. Um, TB is a bacterial disease that, you know, before the COVID-19 pandemic, it was actually the number one cause of death worldwide due to a single infectious agent, um, whether that be a virus or bacteria, TB for for a really, really long time was number one. Obviously, that's changed for now with COVID, but it's still, TB is still the number one cause of death for people living with HIV worldwide. So just to kind of give kind of the scale of that, in 2020, um, almost 10 million people became sick with TB and over a million people died just in 2020. And Uganda, where where my research has been focused, um, is just one country with a high incidence of TB. And in Uganda and also worldwide, there's just a very slow annual decline in TB incidence and mortality. And one of the really big challenges with TB control throughout the world is that we don't always have the most reliable data for TB for a lot of reasons. TB data um, is either estimated from a variety of sources. So sometimes TB incidence has to be estimated from other sources. Um, and then data on the number of people diagnosed for T- with TB, um, treated for TB, and then cured of the disease. A lot of times that data has, you know... People are missing from it, so it's um, either undercounted or just inaccurate or not always as reliable as we might hope. And then, you know, ideally, we love to use that data to be able to make really uh, timely, real-time decisions about where to allocate resources, identify potential hotspots of where um, there's a lot of TB transmission, and you know maybe facilities or areas of a country that might need more technical support. But when the data is not reliable or when it's late, um, it's harder to do those things effectively. So my research really focused on these data systems and understanding some of their challenges and some of the opportunities to do a better job collecting this data. And I learned some really interesting things by interviewing the health workers and other stakeholders involved in this whole process. I think the most important thing I learned was that, um, you know, people are more likely to collect high quality data when they also find that data to be useful. Um, And when the technologies and the processes are easy for them to do and acceptable to them. And when they feel like their work is valuable and they feel supported in that data collection work. You know, TB is kind of a chronically underfunded area of global health. And, you know, that that definitely affects patients and the the care that patients receive in some places, but it also affects the resources available to staff and and the data systems for, for TB as well. Wow. So I had no idea, actually, that TB or tuberculosis was the leading cause of death among infectious diseases. So you're really doing really important work here. So you mentioned that you work in Uganda and you are working with data systems in particular there. So can you describe what research means for your project, specifically how you go about collecting the data? It sounds like it's not necessarily based in a lab setting. Are you interacting with healthcare professionals in a more clinical setting or actual patients? Yeah, so I definitely don't work in a more traditional lab setting, although there are epidemiologists who do. Um, You know, people studying TB more from 
the perspective of the pathogen itself might work in more of a traditional lab. But my work has been kind of a combination of field work and um, then sitting in front of my computer doing data analysis. So when I'm when I've been in the field in Uganda, I have collaborated really closely with a number of people. My advisor, Luke Davis, has an incredible team of you know, epidemiologists, social scientists, you know, medical doctors who lead really interesting research studies in Uganda. So I have worked alongside them to you know, develop study protocols, questionnaires for interviews, other data collection instruments. And then together, we go and visit clinics and Usually we're talking to the clinic staff. So people like the TB focal person who oversees the entire operation of the TB clinic. They treat patients. They, you know, keep track of this data in the, in the books. And then we also, for this project about data systems, talked to data officers at the health facilities. So these are the people who aren't just working on TB data, but they, are collecting data from all different parts of the facility on all different diseases. And so it was really interesting to learn from them as well. So I spent a couple of months at a time in Uganda doing this data collection in in collaboration with local investigators. And then I would come back uh, to Yale and do a lot of data analysis, which pretty much looked like me sitting on my computer uh, at my desk using R or um, Deduce, which is a software for analyzing qualitative data. So I, I did enjoy having a mix of both types of work experiences. Yeah, it's always nice to be able to kind of switch up the daily tasks that you are conducting. You know, you're not just sitting behind a computer. You're also able to get into these field settings and clinical settings in Uganda. But speaking of that, did the pandemic affect your projects? You know, because there must have been a time when you weren't able to go to Uganda, maybe as you had planned Yeah, I definitely did not expect a global pandemic to happen in the middle of my epidemiology PhD. And, um, you know, I think like for all grad students, it was really stressful and isolating to manage the pandemic on top of just grad student life in general. For me specifically, like you said, it did kind of delay uh, the opportunity to get back to Uganda and to conduct some of this research, you know, in the end, um, I was able to do it. You know, Uganda um, was taking social distancing and masking very seriously. And so we were able to come up with, you know, a plan that we were all comfortable with for me to go and do that research. But besides my own, I guess, dissertation research, something that was really inspiring especially at the beginning of the pandemic, was seeing how the whole Yale School of Public Health kind of came together to jump into the COVID response. So it seemed like all the faculty and students, at least in my department, got involved in some way. And I was able to get involved with COVID research, but also help out the Connecticut Department of Public Health with outbreak investigations, which were both just really an incredible learning experience and definitely reaffirmed that you know, I want to pursue a career in public health and that this was work that I found fulfilling. That's really amazing that the whole entire Yale public health community really rallied and rose to the occasion to to collaborate and participate at a time when, you know, the world was really uncertain and 
we really needed the expertise of all of you public health experts. So thank you on behalf of the general public. And I wanted to um, circle back, though, to, you know, you were talking about having to study these data systems. And I can imagine that keeping track of data is not a problem that is inherent only to tuberculosis. So I was wondering if these data systems that you were studying, if that has implications for other diseases aside from tuberculosis. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think that's become very clear, I think, to more people than ever during the past two years where we've all kind of watched the COVID-19 response unfold kind of in real time. You know, people talk all the time about needing data to make decisions, Um, you know, things like mask mandates, when to impose them, when to lift them how to prioritize vaccines, who should get vaccines first, um, how long do we need to wait before um, a second dose of a vaccine, and just so many other things that we really need data in order to make these decisions well and to make them at the right time. And, you know, those are challenges that have existed for TB for a really long time. But now we see them also for COVID-19, you know, things like opioid overdoses and uh, overdose deaths in the U.S. is another area where this data has, you know, had some challenges in the recent past. But there's there's so many more that I could that I could name. But yeah, I I, I think something that I've definitely taken away, and I hope that my research kind of conveys, is that you know it's important, but not enough to have like the latest, most high tech data systems in place. It's just so important to make sure that the people who are collecting this data and reporting it and actually using it have, um, you know, the support they need and the training they need to do their job well, and that they find meaning in their work and they, they find the data important and useful because, you know, the people collecting it are really the backbone of being able to have this data at all. And so, yeah, the technology is super important, but the people collecting it are, are, I would argue, more important. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that makes sense, right? You can have the newest technology out there, but the people collecting the data, you know, they're the ones that really matter in this whole process. Now, one thing that has come from the pandemic also, you know, we've seen a lot of mistrust in science and in public health in general throughout this this time. Why do you think that this attitude of mistrust exists? Yeah, you're definitely right. And, you know, I'm not probably the best person to speak on this. Uh, there's There's so many people who have done a lot of work you know, trying to combat misinformation and mistrust in science and in public health. But I do think probably social media and, you know, Twitter, Facebook, wherever has been one, not the only, but a major contributor, you know, just there's just a lot of misinformation out there about vaccines and COVID treatments and other things that, you know, is concerning. And if somebody stumbles upon that and thinks that it's true information, like, of course, they're concerned and then have mistrust in public health. Um, But I also think there's been missed opportunities by public health officials themselves when information either wasn't communicated clearly, or, you know, as as quickly as it might have been. And that certainly has also contributed to mistrust. Another thing that, you know, I've just thought a lot about over the last couple of years is how, you know, I'm not sure I've certainly never seen and not, I'm not sure there's been another time when 
you know, just kind of the general public is watching the scientific process play out with such high stakes and in such a public way all at once. And, you know, like the whole premise of the scientific process is, you know, it involves asking questions and then forming hypotheses, testing them, adjusting them when new data becomes available. And, you know, that process is always happening in science, but it's not always happening quite so publicly. And I can see how that might lead to some mistrust if, you know, the expectation is that science is about getting a single right answer right away, because that's, that's, that's not how it works. Yeah, that's a great point. There's a lot of inherent uncertainty in science. You know, scientists are just trying to do what they can, do what we can to collect data that can inform our understanding. But, you know, it's not all about getting a single answer to a question. There's there's a lot of inherent uncertainty in there. And I think you're right that that has played out very publicly throughout this whole pandemic. So do you think that science communication and really improving the ways in which these uncertainties or ways in which the science is communicated can play a role in helping to fight a lot of the public misconceptions? Yeah, definitely. I think having really strong science communication that does all those things you just said, you know, makes really clear what we really available wherever anybody's turning for their information still lies is really, really important. And I also think it's important for that information to come from a lot of different sources, right? You know, we want to make sure that we reach everybody with this information. And so that means making it available where they go to get their other information. So, you know, sometimes that is you know, a press conference and more traditional like network news, um, but also social media and, and, you know, other, you know, whether it's like a local trusted official community leaders, making sure that the message isn't just going to one place, but that it's really available wherever anybody's turning for their information. So that's great. Yeah. We would actually like for you to show off your own science communication skills by telling us the official title of your dissertation work. So that's, you know, with all the scientific terms and the jargon. And then if you can share a modified title that the general public can understand. Okay, so the official title of my dissertation is Mixed Methods Evaluation of Data Systems for Tuberculosis in Uganda. But if I had to give it another title, um, I could probably call it something like, you know, figuring out where the gaps are in tuberculosis data and why they're there and how to fix them. That's great. Thank you for showing off your science communication skills there. Now, Before we let you go, is there anything else that you'd like to share about your experience here at Yale as a PhD student or the importance of your research that you've done during your PhD? Yeah, I guess I'll just kind of re-echo how amazing the community at Yale School of Public Health has been over the last six years. I just defended my dissertation recently and am getting ready to graduate and move on. And, you know, I've just been thinking a lot about how incredibly lucky I am to have been part of such a supportive community, but also a really collaborative community. You know, the faculty have 
been very open to, um, you know, answering questions, helping out on a, on an analysis, you know, giving advice, even if, you know, I'm not, um, primarily working with them on something. They've just always been very generous with their time and expertise and just a really fun group of people to learn from. And the same goes for the other students in the School of Public Health as well. Congratulations on finishing your dissertation here and best of luck with your future endeavors. Thank you again, Lizzie, for talking with us today on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Kira. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the PhD Podcast Project from the Yale's Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to subscribe and check out our other episodes on our website. 